What's up, Beards and Bible listeners? This is Josh. So we don't have a new episode for you this week or next week because it'll be Thanksgiving. But we do have a little something to hold you over until then. My good buddy, Jonathan Checa, who is the discipleship pastor at the Experience Community Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, is releasing a new video series on YouTube with a corresponding audio podcast on common questions related to Christianity, apologetics, and issues of faith. It just so happens that I was privileged to be a guest on the first episode of his Common Questions audio podcast that goes along with the YouTube videos talking about the Christian worldview and how we can know and discover truth. So we thought we'd share it with you guys. If you like what you hear today, find the link to his show in this episode's description and head over to YouTube to see the video. Then subscribe to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. It is a fantastic project that he and his team have been working hard on, and I know you'll enjoy it immensely. So without further ado, enjoy this week's bonus episode from the Common Questions Podcast, and make sure you go check it out and subscribe. Hey everybody, we're going to get into today's episode of the Common Questions podcast series in just a moment, but before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about what we are and what we aren't doing here. So if you haven't seen our Common Questions video series on YouTube, what these episodes of the podcast are meant to do is to accompany each one of the videos by covering a little bit more specific topic than we got to go into depth about in the video. So none of these podcast episodes, just like the videos, are meant to be exhaustive about this topic because there have been so many books written about these topics that no one ever has the time to read through all of them. But again, hopefully what we talk about here piques your interest a little bit in something that we talk about and that you'll be able to do a little bit more research on your own about other resources that have been published on these topics. So all that being said, I hope you enjoy this podcast series and let's go. Welcome to episode number one of the Common Questions podcast series. My name is Jonathan Checa, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Joshua Brooker. Josh, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. So, Josh, uh, you came on the Authentic Discipleship podcast series a while ago, and we got to find out a little bit about your life growing up uh, and you coming into a relationship with Jesus. Tell me, what's being a dad been like for you? Do you have any crazy, wild moments? Uh, yeah, every single day of every uh, single moment of every single hour being a dad. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Um, I've got three kids, seven, five, and almost three. So um, I haven't slept in about seven years. But uh, no, man, it's cool. Like somebody told me once when I became a dad that when your kids are little, the days are really, really long and the Mm -hmm. years go by really, really fast. And that's been so true. And so it's been amazing. It's been awesome. It's a blessing. It is exhausting but it is, uh, it's blessed. So yeah, I love it. Have you found any good techniques of just like being present there with them and not just like letting the time go by basically? Oh man, that's hard. But I try really hard when I come home from work to, um, really engage with them, put my phone in the back bedroom, Mm. put it on silent and then have family dinners every night. So we do dinner with no devices and we sit around the table and ask everybody, how'd your day go? You know, even our two and a half, almost three-year-old, we ask him how his day went and 
so that's a lot of fun. And then last night, my wife was at church doing a baby shower for some ladies in her life group. And so I had the kids and we did puzzles together. And if you've ever doubted your sanity, doing a puzzle with a seven-year-old, five-year-old and almost three-year-old all at the same time, Mm-hmm. is uh it's amazing so and a lot of fun and really chaotic so i assume we're talking about like a 1000 piece mc yes. black and white puzzle yes it was the leaning tower of pisa and um so we, we did that no i think it was like arctic animals or something and mm-hmm. they ended up fighting over it the whole time but we had a blast and then we're big readers in my family so we'll do story time every night so mm-hmm. we go to the library every week and pick out books and what was last night's book Last night we read about Country Frog City Dog. You read that one? I have not, but it sounds like a fascinating tale. It is a classic, my friend. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. No, story time, um, being intentional, putting the phones away. That's the biggest thing, man. It's it's so easy just to be a victim to that little device in your pocket. Mm. I see a lot of parents. Um, Unfortunately, doing that, and sometimes I've, I've been guilty of that as well, but when I can... Be intentional about just shutting that thing off and giving my kids, you know, quality time with me. I found that's uh, that's more meaningful than almost anything else. I think the grand gesture form of parenting isn't really your kids can see through that. And what I mean by that is like when you work sixty hours a week and you're not present when you're home, but then you're like, hey kids, let's go get ice cream, as if to atone for all the ways that you're not being a good parent right. and all the other hours. I think kids can sniff that out and know that's not genuine. Definitely. So, um, yeah. Just, just trying to be present while I'm there, even if I'm tired. So, <laughs> cool, very cool. Uh, thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, man. So today we are talking about what is a Christian worldview, and we'll get into all sorts of uh, details and fun here in a second. But if people get one thing from this episode and they come to the end of this uh, half hour ish and they take away one thing from it, what do you want them to walk away with? <sighs> that the call of the Christian gospel is for our minds to be renewed. And so um, I found this to be interesting as I was studying for John chapter 16 this week. Jesus says a very interesting phrase about the Holy Spirit's role in the world, that the Holy Spirit will convict the world when it comes to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Hmm. And one commentary I was reading said that one understanding of the word convict is to redefine what a concept means. Hmm. So if we think about those three specific areas that John that Jesus mentions in John 16, sin, righteousness, judgment, the world has their own understandings of those things because the world thinks different. But Jesus shows up on the scene, and Jesus does the work that he does as the atoning sacrifice for all of humanity. He radically redefines these spiritual concepts, and the Holy Spirit is the one that enables us, through conviction, to understand what those things are look like and what those mean through the lens of what Jesus has come to do. And so we could take that concept and understanding and begin to see that, man, that's that's the call of being a disciple of Jesus is not just to get your magic golden ticket to heaven Mm -hmm. and a couple of do's and don'ts, but everything begins to change. Everything begins to be radically redefined. How we view money is radically redefined. How we view our time is radically redefined. How we view human sexuality and how we view work and how we view everything. And so, yeah, I think that would be it, that we are called to view the world now through a completely different lens because of what Jesus has come to do. Mm -hmm. And you touched on it just a little bit there uh, about 
what the effect of a worldview is. If someone is coming into this and it sounds like um, if we come at them and say, you need to redefine your worldview, it, it can initially sound like some highfalutin philosophical, sure. like, okay, what are you guys talking about over there? But do you mind talking for a second about how fundamental that is to just day-to-day -day decisions that we make in our lives, how we view the world and how it affects what we do on a day-to-day -day basis? Absolutely. Um so that, that's probably the simplest definition of a worldview, how we view the world, right? So when we make a decision about <clears throat> what to do with a career change, if you are a materialist and this world is all that there is, and so the most important thing in life is to be comfortable and to be affluent and to be happy, mm -hmm. that's going to drive the decisions you make concerning your career. You're going to go for the career, the job, that's going to make you most comfortable and most affluent and going to make you happiest, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so what if that causes you to not be able to spend more time with your family or be able to volunteer with your church or be a good neighbor or have time for the... So what, right? Because what's most important to you because of your worldview is making money, being affluent, and be comfortable because that's how you view the world, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're a Christian and you understand that the kingdom of heaven is what really is important, and this world is not our home. We're passing through. We're citizens of a greater kingdom. Our placement in our job and career is simply for the purpose of pointing others to Jesus, and so we're missionaries on the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to change not only the job that we take, but how we approach it every day when we walk in the door. So we're, we're not going to primarily live to make money and be comfortable and be happy and affluent. We're, we're going to live on mission, for the purpose of pointing people to Jesus and being a servant to all people. And, and so, yeah, it, it, it changes how we view um, pretty much everything in life and the decisions we make, um, what we believe about these massive things about where we're going, what this all means, and who God is. Mm -hmm. And that leads us right into uh, the elements of a worldview that I wanted mm -hmm. to get into here in a second. Uh, there's uh, a class that uh, I believe you wrote the curriculum for that we used to teach here. Long uh, time ago. Oh, shout out to Foundation. <laughs> many, many moons, many moons ago, yes, mm -hmm. back when I was a much younger man. A much younger man with much less white hair. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So uh, you broke down a little bit in there, what are the elements of a worldview? And I can just uh, list them out sure, here. Uh, origin, identity, meaning, morality, and destiny. We can start with all of those. We can start with any of them. Which one do you think is maybe the most fundamental? Is that the right way to think about it? Oh, man. They're all super important, but I think that um, you got to start with origin. How did we get here? right? Um, because how we got here determines who we are, mm -hmm. how we got here determines what we're supposed to be doing and really determines like where we're going, right? So origin is super important to identify. And, um, you know, as believers in Jesus and followers of him, we don't believe the modern quote unquote scientific notion that is nothing plus no one equals everything we see. Mm-hmm. And we are simply the byproducts of the genetic lottery. And, uh, and it's sad to me that there's a lot of people that um, believe that, that essentially there was nothing and there was no one. And then there was an explosion. And then everything we see somehow came about through that. Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, we could get into the, we could nerd out about the primordial soup and single cell organisms and all that stuff. I'm talking, of course, about the evolutionary Darwinistic worldview of how we got here. Right. And an atheistic view of sure. that uh, process. Yeah. Right. And that's considered scientific, which is interesting to me because evolution um, only explains how life moves from one uh, form to the other. It doesn't mm -hmm. really explain the origin of how we got here. Right. Abiogenesis. Right. So that actually goes beyond the bounds of science. That is actually philosophy. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so many people that say, I believe in science, all of a sudden get really creative and speculate to exclude God from their worldview, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, how we got here like matters, right? How we got here is super important because it tells us whether or not we are different from the rest of the created order. Mm -hmm. And so as Christians, we believe obviously that we were created, we were fashioned, we are the crown jewel of God's creation as human beings made in his image and likeness. And we live in a whole culture right now that is... Basically saying we got here by accident. Nobody really knows how we got here, but we're here. So let's make the world a better place and be happy. And like that's a, when you study logical fallacies, that's called a non sequitur argument that none of these things go together, mm -hmm. right? So if we got here by accident, everything means nothing. We don't know how we got here. We don't, it doesn't really matter. Then why should we live a moral life? Right. What is the purpose to having a purpose? Exactly. And, and so that's the, that's the foundation where it all starts. There is a God. He's a personal God. He intervenes in the events of human history. He created us. He fashioned us. He loves us. He knows us. And that's how we got here. Mm -hmm. And I think that bleeds very naturally into identity, if you want to talk about that for a second, and how, uh, how we view where we came from affects who we think that we are. Yeah. Just to the core of our being. Absolutely. So the... Theological term, and you know this is Imago Dei, we're made in the image and likeness of God. And um, because we're made in the image and likeness of God, we are set apart from everything else in all of creation. And sanctity of human life, you can't believe in the sanctity of human life if you hold to the premise that humanity is a highly, involved, a highly evolved sentient being. Right, because there is nothing sanctified about it. Exactly, Right. I think it was Richard Dawkins that said, um, DNA knows nor cares about anything going on in us. It's just blind, pitiless indifference. Some people get lucky, some people get unlucky. DNA neither knows nor cares, and we dance to its rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. That's a happy, clappy fellow, Richard Dawkins, right? <laughs> so according to Richard Dawkins, if you're just going to be honest, the people with the biggest guns and the most money, those are the ones that dictate the flow of human history and morality, right? Mm -hmm. um, because if we're just animals, highly evolved animals that happen to have sentience or the ability to comprehend and the ability to have self-awareness, then what does it matter if somebody marches six million Jews into the gas chambers? Mm -hmm. Might is right. And survival of the fittest, right? Um, you know, it's interesting when we talk about the abortion debate um, and... There are so many people that I've had conversations with over the past year, specifically this, we're recording this in 2023, so mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade was overturned about a year ago. <clears throat> and there's many people that use all sorts of language about abortion being a reproductive right that you can't take from women. 
but the question is rarely asked, is that a human being in the womb of a mother? Right. Because if it is a human being in the womb of the mother, then ending the life of a human being that's innocent is never justifiable. Mm-hmm. And deep down, every human on planet Earth knows that. We know that the taking of innocent life is wrong. Mm-hmm. How do we know that? Well, we know that because the law of God has been written in our hearts. And as Christians, we know that humans are made in the image and likeness of God. So if you run over a raccoon on the way to work, you're not guilty of murder. It's unfortunate. Poor raccoon, right? Rest in peace, raccoon. Rest in peace, raccoon. But like if you do a hit and run on the way to work, you're guilty of manslaughter. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, so like we know that. But there's so many that are turning a blind eye to that fact because we've tried to leave God out of the equation. But the Christian worldview comes face to face with that and says there is a distinctness of humanity. We are made in the image and likeness of God. We are made to glorify him and enjoy him forever. That's the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And so, um, yeah, who we are as human beings matters. The sanctity of human life matters. Absolutely. And kind of tangentially related, something you said just made me think about it. I was talking to someone the other day about um, Albert Camus and John Paul Sartre, um, which uh, Camus was an absurdist. And <laughs> Albert Camus, <laughs> what a weird, strange man. Yes. Very strange, very absurd. Even. He was. He wrote The Stranger, didn't he? Yep, The Stranger, The Myth of Sisyphus. Sisyphus, yep. that's Sisyphus. a hard word to say. Anyway, back on track. Yep. So... They were really good friends for a long time, had a lot of very similar thoughts. But then after World War II, John Paul Sartre signed on to this document with a bunch of other philosophers that said World War or no, World War One. Yes, World War One. Okay. One of the World mm-hmm. Wars that said this was a terrible thing and it shouldn't have happened. And to Camus, that was like a slap in the face to everything they had ever worked on, because what their entire worldview was everything's absurd, there's no meaning to it, nothing is significant. Uh, and he just said, there is a right and wrong. And yeah. So Camus is like, what the heck, Sartre? But Sartre recognized there is such a thing as real evil, and this yes. was evil. <clears throat> yeah, and, and like, here's the craziness of our culture. We know there's evil. Mm-hmm. And the Book of Romans says that we have a law unto ourselves because the law of God is written on our conscience. But we're trying really, 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 really hard to stick our head in the sand and to radically redefine that according to a worldview that leaves God out of the equation. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you begin to acknowledge the existence of right, wrong, and evil, you have to ask the question, where does it come from? And the question where it comes from is from God. Mm-hmm. We have right and wrong written on our conscience because we're made in the image and likeness of God, the great moral lawgiver. So if there's no God, there's no such thing as right, there's no such thing as wrong. But because there is a God, because he knows us, because he loves us, and because he speaks to us, there is right and wrong, and we as human beings deep down know the difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, moving on to the next step in the worldview, the meaning aspect of it, uh, I believe that the question that went along with this is, what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you mind talking about that for a second? Yeah, why am I here, I think is, a, is another way of asking it. Mm-hmm. Um, we all ask this. The book of Ecclesiastes is essentially this. Mm-hmm. Why am I here? <clears throat> humanity has tried to answer this through isms, <laughs> materialism. I'm here to make a lot of money and be comfortable and happy. Mm-hmm. Hedonism, I'm here to have fun, basically. 
Um, Humanism, I'm here for other people. Sure, yeah. Moralism, I'm here to be a good person, whatever that means. Yeah, what is good. What is good, right? Um, and, and so <laughs> I think there's a search that we're all on to try to figure out why we're here, both on a kind of corporate 50,000 square foot level of why is humanity here, but even on a, on a personal level, why am I specifically here? Why was Josh Brooker created? Why was Josh Brooker born where he was born for the time in history in which he was born, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have to do the work of exploring the other isms to see if those things actually deliver upon their promises. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, <laughs> the book of Ecclesiastes does that for us. Right. If you've never read Ecclesiastes, it's an amazing work of philosophy. It's not just an, you know... Holy Spirit-inspired portion of Scripture, which it is, but one could actually read that in a secular philosophy undergraduate class and say, wow, this speaks to the vanity and the futility of the human experience lived apart from God. Mm -hmm. Um, Because materialism, Solomon basically says in the book of Ecclesiastes, I've gotten everything the world says matters. I've built palaces and cities and parks and trees and none of it satisfies. Like there's always more that I want. And the more I get, I'm dissatisfied with what I just got. And when I set my sight on getting a bigger salary or a bigger house or a better job, and I think I'm going to get satisfied when I get that, I get to that level and I realize the standard just gets raised. And I want more, right? Mm-hmm. And we kind of know that greed does that to the human heart. But we always think it's never going to be me. Exactly. Exactly. And we always think that... Um, Man, if I could just get to the next tax bracket, mm-hmm. then I'd be happy. If I could just... Yes, and it never works. Same thing with hedonism. And and here's what's so crazy. Um, I think there's a form of Christianity right now where especially people in my generation under the age of 45, I'll put that, that's my generation, right? <laughs> um, where we want just enough of Jesus to make us comfortable and happy and give us assurance that when we die, we're not going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. But then we want to pursue the world's version of happiness through being comfortable and through having fun. Nothing wrong with enjoying the good gifts of God. God's given us great gifts like family and nature and friendship and experiences, and yes and amen to all that. But I think what I get frustrated with as a pastor is the amount of time Christians will spend seeking to be entertained that they would never seek to give to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, we'll do things for entertainment we'll never do for God, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll sit through a Marvel movie that's three and a half hours and hold our pee the whole time, and, you know, we're about to wet our pants, but, man, there's an extra scene at the end, and I'm going to, right? Mm-hmm. And then we come to church, and 30 minutes in, we're already getting bored, and our mind's wondering, What? Right, and we'll go to a football game, and we'll you know drive two and a half hours, and we'll show up early, and we'll tailgate, and then we'll go to the game and stand on our feet the whole time and scream to war horse, and then sit in traffic for another two hours, and then drive home, and we'll do that all day to see a bunch of nineteen-year-old kids running an oblong ball up and down a grass field. Mm-hmm. And the kinds of media that people, or the kinds of content in media that people will tolerate because it's entertaining, absolutely. Versus if someone acted like that in the pulpit, or even just in your everyday life, and they started talking to you like right. that, you would not tolerate that for mm-hmm. one moment. But if it's on a stand-up comedy special, absolutely, yeah. So that has to. We have to like step back and ask that question. Okay, why are we here? Are we here to just have a good time in life? Mm-hmm. 
Because we're here to just have a good time. Yeah, by all means, spend every bit of your discretionary income on your favorite football team or going to the lake or going on that next family vacation and put it on your Instagram story so everybody can feel like you have a better life than them, which you actually don't. That's all heavily doctored. Mm -hmm. But if that's the whole point of this exercise, go for it. But deep down, you know that's not the point of the exercise because you're never going to go on a vacation or sit through a movie or a football game where by the end of it, you go, you know what? That satisfied me. Mm-hmm. That, that was good. That was good enough to satisfy the ache in my soul. Yep. It never works. It never works. And I mean, you could go right down through all the isms and, and straight up say, there is a hole in the human heart that cannot be filled by the stuff of this earth. And it was C.S. Lewis that talks about um, desire. And C.S. Lewis said that if there exists in me a desire for an experience or a place that this world cannot satisfy, the most reasonable explanation is... I was made for a different place. Mm -hmm. And so the argument from desire explains that the meaning of this life is deeper than the stuff of this earth. That we were made and we were created and we are here to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Mm -hmm. And in the absence of God from our lives, we will never feel fulfilled, we'll never feel satisfied, and we'll never be who we were created to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, just some personal reading I've been doing. Uh, Augustine talked about that a yeah. lot as well. Mm-hmm. Of um, there's always a, a deeper longing <clears throat> behind whatever you initially desire about uh, what is it that I really want when I want to be with my spouse. What is it that I really want when I want this job or that money? What yeah. what is it that I'm actually after? Is it that thing in itself, or is it something that that thing represents, or that it's an analogy for or represents? So yeah, definitely. Um, and again, just moving on down the line, yeah. morality, uh, we talked about this a little bit, what is good, what is evil, um, how, from a Christian worldview, do we approach the question of morality, of what is good and what is evil? Yeah, since we know there's a God, since we know that we're made in the image and likeness of God, since we know that we're here to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever, and since we know that this God has communicated to us, and the book of Hebrews says, in these last days, he has communicated to us through his son, mm-hmm. Jesus. We know that this God has given us a revelation of himself for how we are to live. And the answers we're searching for are through this revelation that God has given us of himself. And that revelation is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus affirmed all of Scripture to say that this is the word of God. And so we find how it is we are to live, what is right, what is wrong, what is sin, what is righteousness, all of that in God's revelation for us in that scripture. If we refuse to acknowledge that God has spoken through scripture, we have some uh, work to do to try to come up with what is right and what is wrong. Hmm. (laughs) And typically, here's what we do as humans. If we refuse to believe that uh, scripture is the Word of God, and it gives us what is right and what is wrong, we use comparison. And typically what we do is we say, I'm a pretty good person because I'm not as bad as... Insert example. Exactly. Right? So we use comparison. We say, well, I'm not Hitler, Mm -hmm. or I'm not not my brother-in-law. I mean, he's in jail, right? So I'm a pretty good person, right? That's one way we do it. Another way we do it is we take our cues from the culture around us. And we use phrases like, I'm going to be on the right side of history. 
And so we let whatever cultural moment in which we exist define for us what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, that may feel very appealing if we are um, desirous of the acceptance of the culture at large, but historically that's never played out well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we think about 100 years ago in Munich, if you were desiring to be accepted by the culture at large and uh, you just went with whatever the culture around you in the nation of Germany said was right or wrong, mm-hmm. like a frog being boiled in water, you would have found yourself exceptionally anti-Semitic, justifying the extermination of Jews and Poles and gypsies and all other manner of undesirables in the gas chambers of the Nazi concentration camps. But you went along with it because you didn't want to be on the wrong side of history. They said, this is a mm-hmm. cultural movement. This is justifiable. Let's do it. It's interesting how we look at our temporal circumstances and think, yes, this is an indicator for the direction of history for eternity. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, historically speaking, in the day and age in which you and I live, uh, there has never been a civilization in all of human history that has put such a heavy emphasis on human sexuality as the one we live in right now. Mm -hmm. And any of the ones that did fell in a cataclysmic and dramatic and debaucherous fashion. You can study the the Canaanite religions of antiquity. You can study the Greek and the Roman Empire and all that stuff. And 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 we pretty much can see that when there was such a heavy emphasis placed on sexual expression, the victims of that were always children and women. Um, and pretty much that civilization turned so inward that they failed to be able to acknowledge external threats, and they always came to an end very dramatically. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating how we frame that as liberation. Yeah, yeah, always. Um, But what's crazy is that when you kind of get the splash of cold water in your face of the law of God and you see that the law of God transcends time and culture and history and there is a right and there is a wrong and it's not defined by the day and age in which you live, you get to see the absurdity of some of the things that we're saying are right and wrong in our culture and in the day and age in which we live. Mm So as Christians, we believe that there is a God who's given us a revelation of himself through Scripture, and within that revelation, there is right, there is wrong, and that's how we are called to live, not by the culture around us or not by the own standards of comparison we set up for what's right and wrong. Absolutely. And moving on to the last element of building a worldview, talking about destiny, mm-hmm. where we're going ultimately, what, what is this all leading to? <clears throat> I think for a lot of people today, that, that seems like kind of an absurd question, especially if you're coming at it from a nihilistic or a materialistic worldview of, sure. well, we're not really going anywhere. We've, we've got what we've got, and then after that, there's nothing. Mm. But the Christian worldview is obviously fundamentally different from that. Do you sure. mind talking about the role of destiny, where am I going, what's eternity look like? Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I mean, the truth is we speculate on the afterlife as human beings, and we do it all the time, and mm-hmm. we we make a bet with the life that we live on what's coming after this. We either make the bet that there is nothing coming after this, and so all I've got is today, I'm going to live for today, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try to squeeze in as much in this life as humanly possible. Eat, drink, and be merry. Exactly, because I'm making a bet with my life. I'm gambling with my life that this is all there is. And that's a pretty big gamble, mm-hmm. right? Um, or we can choose to practice wisdom. And if we are intellectually honest with the other questions of our worldview, where do we come from? 
who are we? Where are we? You know, how are we supposed to live? All that stuff, right? Kind of leads us to this question of if there is a God, which there is, because the universe speaks of his handiwork and his creative work. When we die in this life, we will stand before him in the life to come. And when we do, if he has given us a revelation of himself of how to live, he will require an accounting of our lives before him. We will stand before him and we will give uh, an accounting of how we live this life. And so if we understand that as Christians, that has a dramatic impact on every decision we make in this life. Jesus tells us in Matthew's gospel that we will give an account for every careless word we speak. Mm-hmm. Man, that's sobering. Everything we do, we're going to have to stand before Jesus and we're going to have to answer for it someday. I mean, so many of the parables are about that, that the master comes back from a long journey and calls the servants forward and says, hey, what did you do with your life? And they're going to answer before the master and say, well, I took what you gave me and I multiplied it. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of the master. And the one who's like, ah, I didn't think that this really mattered. I didn't really think it was a big deal. I was kind of scared of doing the wrong thing, so I did nothing. Well, then that servant is punished. And so understanding that like in the life to come, there is reward for those who faithfully served the purposes of God. In the life to come, there was perfect justice done to all who have committed evil against God and atrocity against other people. And it's not my job here in this life to issue that retribution because God will do that and make all things right in the life to come. Absolutely. I was just about to bring that up, that uh, not only is it a great responsibility to think about the fact that there will be an accounting for every action, for every word, but that um, for any injustice that we see here in this life that seems to go unpunished, ultimately it's not going to go unpunished. Absolutely. And also, like... The older I get, the more I understand that, like, this world just doesn't really have things for me that... (laughs) I never understood, like, as a young dude, why all the old people in our church love to sing songs about heaven. I'm like, well, I guess they're almost there, so that makes sense, right? (laughs) But then, like, the longer I live, like, there's just, like, this ceiling you hit of, like, you go on vacation with your family, and you're sitting there with your kids and your wife, and it's just, like, perfect. And you're like, man, this is awesome. I just wish I could freeze this moment in time and just have this forever. Mm -hmm. But then we all know how that works. Like you come back from vacation and the doldrums and monotony of life set in and you're like, man, golly, why can't life be more like this all the time? Mm -hmm. Why do we have cancer? Why do we have people that die in car accidents? Why do we have all this pain and heartache? And like, is there ever, is there ever a day in which all this stuff is going to be put away. Cause if there isn't, if this is all that there is, man, I, I feel ripped off. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you see a lot of people descend into that hedonistic worldview mm-hmm. of, I am going to try to make every single moment just that good. And yep. that's where you see the escalation from, um, it, just to go straight into the drug example from softer drugs into harder and harder drugs. Cause the last hit is never enough. <clears throat> Absolutely, man. And we, as Christians can know that Jesus has said that if we put our trust and our hope in him and his atoning sacrifice for us, that we stand before him on that day completely innocent in the court of heaven from the guilt that we've committed in this life, that we can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and be given entrance into his kingdom. But even as Christians, we'll still give an account for the things that we have done in our life to serve Christ. 
And so the different judgment called the Bema Seat judgment, where we stand before Jesus and he examines the fruit of our lives. Did you live for me or did you live for yourself? Mm. I don't think enough Christians really take those passages serious because they go, wow, my sins are forgiven. I'm getting into heaven. Yes. Amen. Absolutely. But now that you're saved, Jesus has saved you so you can produce fruit, and he's going to examine and test that fruit that you've produced in life. And there's going to be some Christians on that day that stand before him, and he's like, you received salvation from me, but you did very little Mm -hmm. to serve me or serve other people. And so you're going to lose your reward. And man, like when we start to actually take that serious and understand there is an eternity, there is like a reward from Jesus, like that, that changes how we live now. Absolutely. And I think we're coming up uh, a little bit over time now, so I want to go ahead and um, put a bow on this, but this has been a fantastic discussion. I wish we could yeah, man. keep going further with I'm it. used to long-form podcasts, so I didn't know that this was a shorter form. <laughs> I could well, keep going for like four hours. I thought we were just getting started. So Yeah, let's do a uh, Rogan special. <laughs> yeah, that's hours. what I thought. Uh, we'll go down to the comedy club, come back and do yeah. another set. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. No. Uh, so bringing it back around to, again, what hopefully people walk away from with this episode, the understanding that Jesus can change their mindset, their worldview. Yeah. Um, would you say that's an accurate paraphrase? How exactly 100%. did you say it? If you seriously take the claims of Jesus, that he is not just a welcome addition to your pre-existing life, he is the king of all creation, and your invitation is to bow the knee before him and his sovereignty in every area of life. That changes everything about how you think, how you live, how you spend your money, how you practice your sexuality, how you vacation, how you retire, how you raise your kids, how you do your marriage, how you do everything. Mm -hmm. Because you're not living for the things of this earth. And, and honestly, when you fall in love with Jesus, the things of this earth, just they just don't do it for you. They just kind of lose their, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't. It pales in comparison. Yeah, man. Like before I really started walking with the Lord, I loved watching really dumb comedy shows, and I loved listening to really crass and crude music. I loved going to really loud, obnoxious rock concerts. And uh, not all of them were, you know, profane and filthy. Some of them were just flat out worldly. There's nothing like inherently profane about them. But I, I find myself, the longer I walk with Jesus, when I go back and try to listen or watch or do those things I used to do, that they aren't necessarily sinful. They're just not Christian. I just don't have an appetite for them anymore. And that's not because I'm like, you know, on a new level, I have achieved nirvana. It's just that like, you just, I'm listening to a guy saying that believes that when he dies, he's going to become worm food. Mm-hmm. And it just, I'm like, ah, oh, man, that dude just, Lord, open his eyes. <laughs> and I just find that I just don't, that that's not true. That's not true. We're not going to become worm food. We're going to stand before God. And so, like, if you believe that and I believe that, that changes how we live now and that changes what you want to sing about now. Mm-hmm. And when you know that there's something better out there, it's hard to settle for anything less than mm-hmm. that. When you do truly understand that it is, in fact, better, going back to something you talked about earlier, I think a lot of people are convinced that, yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah. But they don't understand just how fulfilling life in Christ and how enrapturing, for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. uh, eternity is going to be. It it becomes, well, won't I get bored with that eventually? You cannot fathom the infinite joy of God. 
Absolutely. We are incapable of comprehending that. But if we can start to get just a taste of it, that changes everything. 100%. Yeah. Well, Josh, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap it up. Thanks Amen. for coming on the show today. Appreciate <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Well, that does it for this episode of the Common Questions podcast series. Now, if you're listening on Spotify, you should find a Q&A section below. Uh, if you want to take advantage of that, let us know if you found this helpful and what kind of questions you have that we might be able to explore on a future episode. And no matter what platform you're listening on, make sure you turn on notifications for this channel. Right now, we don't really have a regular release schedule, so ringing the bell is the best way for you to know when we've got new content for you. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.